treat this morning because um, we've got Jan, John Champion preaching for the first time with us. Hey! And we love this guy. We just love this family joining us. We can. It's such a privilege to have him and his whole family at Hope. And we just want to pray God's blessing on you. So, John, we just bless you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for all that we see of Jesus in you, in you and in your family. And we know that that's going to ooze out as you bring us God's word. We just pray for uh, ability, blessing, and fresh anointing in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, morning, everybody. Morning, John. This is going to be a bit of fun, isn't it? Yeah. I feel strange. I feel like I should have a guitar in my hand. <laughs> if you're not usually a member here or don't usually attend I'm, I'm usually in the band so this is a little bit different um, if I've not met you if I don't know you then uh, I'm John uh, I'd love to get to know you at some point but we have a growing family don't we isn't it fantastic uh, and as the family grows it can get difficult to get to know everybody and we're going to unpack that a little bit this morning and look at fellowship together our relationships together my wife and I with our two children moved to Wyndham about we're October aren't we almost uh, three years ago exactly and we've been in the church here for the last two and a half and we just have loved being part of this church family it's just been fantastic we are going to be uh, continuing our series that Ben started for us last week on devoted. He gave us a really helpful uh, definition of what it means to be devoted. He goes this sense of an enduring focus and persistent commitment to a task. And this morning we're going to be looking at being devoted to fellowship, to having an enduring focus and persistent commitment to fellowship. But fellowship isn't really a word that we use all that much outside of church. If you're not usually at church or, or recently come, come into a, a, a Christian environment, fellowship isn't a word that we use a great deal except for one example that I can think of. Now, I'm not a Lord of the Rings fan, generally. Any Lord of the Rings fans? Yeah? Okay, so you're one step ahead of me on this. The Fellowship of the Ring. I was tempted to show the clip, but, but it's not happening. In the Fellowship of the Ring, we have Frodo Baggins, who uh, takes on a daunting, a massive task. And a group of other guys get around him and pledge their allegiance. They say, through thick and thin, whatever comes, whatever may, we will give ourselves to help you follow this task through to the end. The word that is used, uh, that we translate into fellowship, is the word koinonia. Actually, I have a very good friend who uh, built a house and named it Koinonia. So he was so committed to this idea of fellowship. It speaks of incredible intimacy, actually, uh, which we get from this, this, these, these guys in Lord of the Rings that just devote themselves to one, a promise to be with one another through thick and thin, whatever comes. The word, actually, that's, that's translated is almost... Uh, illustrative of, of what goes on between a husband and wife. There is a deep sense of intimacy. And as I thought about it, the other picture that came to mind was this idea of the band of brothers. 
Yeah. Originally uh, a quote from Shakespeare. More recently, if you've seen it, incredible series. Who's seen the Band of Brothers series? I mean, that is is hard to watch, but incredibly moving. Follows a, a squadron in the Second World War and how these guys commit to one another. How they promise to be, they, they have each other's backs. They lay, and quite literally do at times, lay their lives down for one another. It is a powerful, powerful picture. And it is this that God calls us to in church family. Something beyond just friendship. He calls us to fellowship, to be devoted to one another. It's why at times when people, for various reasons, move on from church life, it's why it hurts. Because they're part of our family. We are deeply connected to one another through what Jesus has done for us. That incredible gift of grace. Actually, we've been united together as a family. And so we're going to explore today what it means to be devoted to fellowship. We're going to read our passage from Acts 2, uh, Luke, who was one of Jesus' disciples, also a historian, wrote uh, and documented what was going on in the early church. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. Let's just pray. Father, as we look at this passage together, as we unpack your word, God, I thank you that your word is living and active and it moves amongst us. And I pray, Lord, as we, as we unpack this passage, as we, as we look at what it means, Holy Spirit, that you would come and do the work this morning. God, there's anything that's of me would fall away, but that what comes from you, Lord, would sink deep into our hearts. Lord, that we would learn to be devoted to one another in fellowship. In your name we pray. Amen. A number of months ago when Mark sent me this passage, I was super excited. I, I mean, this is just, this is one of my favorite passages of scripture. I work um, as a property manager and have worked uh, a little bit in construction and refurbs and things like that. And I love blueprints. I love the plans. And when the guys come to me, where do you want this? How, how wide do you want this? How high? Guys, it's in the plans. It's in the plans. I love the plans. And this passage, it's, it's like the blueprints for church life. And I love it. I love going back. Right. It's, what's wonderful about church life is it's made up of all sorts of different people, all over the world and it, it can look on the surface different there are different styles and expressions and that is just wonderful god loves variety but there's a few kind of stakes in the ground foundational things that should come through church life wherever it is and this is what we get in this passage 
And clearly, being devoted to fellowship is one of those things. You see, God, in his very nature, in who he is, before the creation of the world, God is community. God is three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in perfect relationship. Intrinsic to the very person of God is relationship, is community. And as people made in his image, it's deep inside of us that we long for that community also. We are not predominantly designed to be a solitary people. Some might seek solidarity and an existence away from community, but I believe none of us are truly fulfilled or coming to see all that God has for us outside of community. The other thing that I really like about this passage is it sets out a blueprint for kingdom culture. Sets out a a blueprint for kingdom culture. You know, we are, what, four days away from maybe leaving the European Union? I mean, who knows? People are asking, our country is divided. What, what does it mean? Are we British? Am I English? Am I European? I'm not going to ask for a vote across this room, because even in here, I'm sure we've got all sorts of different opinions. But you don't need to be confused about your nationality. You don't need to be confused about your identity. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a citizen of heaven. Philippians 3.20, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, our Lord Jesus Christ. We are citizens of heaven. But whatever nation we grew up in, whatever culture we grew up in, we will have inherited national characteristics, certain traits. And as we look across the world, we can see how God has brilliantly put elements of his character more emphasised in different cultures. Those of you that have been here longer than I will know and and have loved Paula, who played the bass. We just love her passion. It's something of the kind of Hispanic nations that we see this kind of zeal and passion. Whether it's this sincerity that we get from the Americans, the exuberance and joy from the African nations maybe the efficiency of the Germans. Or even in our own culture, actually in the British culture, something that is very, very strong is a strong sense of justice. These are all godly characteristics that come through our national culture. But I want to suggest to us this morning that just as there are godly characteristics in each culture, potentially there are some strands that come through in each culture that are not characteristic of the kingdom of heaven and these things sometimes need to be redeemed in us and we need to submit those to the kingdom of heaven I want to introduce you to a man called Sir Edward Cook he was a solicitor in 1628 and in the institutes and laws of England for the first time in print he wrote it's on the next slide An Englishman's home is his castle. Are we familiar with that phrase, sometimes used in jest? Uh, Actually, it's it's in the laws of the country from many, many years ago. And, And this element of our culture, I believe, has an impact in our nation beyond what we might expect. By and large, 
the English are a private people. We're actually quite a private people. You go across different nations of the world, that's, that's not a common trait everywhere. There's a fantastic book um, by a lady called Kate Fox called Watching the English, and she comments on this. She actually comments on the way that we culturally put fences and walls around our patches of land, our little lawns, and we put up fences and walls. But I'd like to suggest that perhaps it doesn't stop at our homes. We have a tendency to put up walls and fences in our lives between other, us and others. And I believe that God is calling us to be counter-cultural in this area. A people who demonstrate his kingdom and bring the saltiness of the kingdom to this world through radical relationships with one another. A people that where friendships might say, all right, fellowship says, how are you doing? How are you getting on? How's your marriage going? How's your relationship with your kids? Is there anything that I can pray for you? What do you need? This is kingdom culture. Because believe me, the world is just crying out for it. Yeah. Out there. I mean, how many adverts, posters, social media campaigns have you seen recently about mental health? About well-being? about loneliness, about anxiety. The biggest show on primetime TV recently, Britain's Got Talent, paused their broadcast for a minute and had silence and asked people to stop watching and turn and talk to the person next to them, just to connect for a minute. The world is starting to wake up and realize that they need this kind of, kind of stuff. And it's in the Bible. We have the answer. We've got it. And we need to demonstrate it and show the world what it looks like. Because when the early church did this stuff, the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. Do you want to see that? Do you want to see daily those that are being saved coming to know the Lord Jesus? We can make a difference, countercultural fellowship. So in the rest of the time that we've got together, I want to draw out three examples from this passage and just look very practically about what it looks like and how we can grow in fellowship. Is that okay? Brilliant. We'll do that together. So from our passage says all the believers were together and a little bit later it says every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts <coughs> number one they met together guys there is no shortcut to relationships we've got to show up we've got to be there we've got to put the time in there is no shortcut in Hebrews 10, it says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. I was reflecting on this uh, the other day while I was uh, desperately attempting to work out in the gym. 
sweating and struggling. Usually when I'm in the gym, I look over at Pete Anthony, who's lifting sort of three times the amount of weights that I am. And I was thinking about this time thing, and I was looking around the gym, and I, I was looking at people whose arms were bigger than my legs and thinking, why, why, do they, why do they look like that and I look like this? They put the time in. I mean, they're there like three, four times a week. I go once a week, right? And for me, that is, that is all I can manage, and it is better than nothing. Because once a week, it's good for my fitness, it's good for my heart, it's a good discipline, and it is an excellent thing to do. And if once a week is what you can manage, then that is great. And that is better by far than nothing. But the guys that put the time in see the results. They see the difference. Have you, have you ever had a conversation with somebody and they've said something like, do you know what? My small group just isn't really working out for me at the moment. I, I just don't feel that connected to church right now. Ever had those kind of conversations? My first question is, how often are you getting there? Because it's usually not that much. How often are you getting there? We've, uh, we've been through a, a bit of a transition the last couple of years, particularly since getting this building, and we are a growing church. And actually, we have got to the point where actually you probably can't know everybody anymore. I mean, we're what? 300 plus. It's, it's difficult to get to know everybody in the church. And for some, I know, that, and, and I can understand this, I actually find that really difficult. Really difficult. But God also loves a growing family. And it is okay that relationships are going to look different across the church. Jesus actually had very different sorts of relationships with the, the wider group of believers that followed him with the 72 with his 12 disciples, and actually even within the 12, he had three that he was particularly close to. It's okay for us to have different relationships across the church. It's also why as our church gets bigger, there's an element that it also needs to get smaller at the same time. And life group, small group, whatever you want to call it, is critical in this. These are the people that we do life with, that we walk with day by day, that we have a, a closer sense of relationship with. I'll be honest with you, 7 o'clock on a Wednesday night, dinner's going down, sofa's looking pretty comfortable, might be cold, might be raining. I don't always feel that enthusiastic. Anybody, is that just me? Anybody identify with that? You know, the thoughts come in. We, oh, we don't need to go out tonight. Just take, take the night off. One week won't hurt. Here's the, no, no one will miss me. Do you ever get that one? No one will miss me. Nobody will mind if I don't go. You're under grace. You're under grace. You know the enemy doesn't mind using scripture to, to twist if he, can, if he can get it to, to do some harm. But we devote ourselves in our family to our life group. 
I want to give you just three very simple reasons why I would like to encourage you to make your life group a priority. Number one, because close relationships are formed by consistently doing life together. There's a consistency and a longevity that produce close relationships. Number two, because even if you don't feel like it that night, somebody else might need you. Do you get that? Life group and close relationships, it's a two-way street. It's not just about what you get. You have far more to offer the other people in your life group than you could even possibly imagine. Just by walking with them, by turning up and being there. And number three, because when the storm does hit you, and it does from time to time, you haven't got the time to go making new friends. You need them ready to go in the wings. Are you going through a hard time right now? Is the storm hitting? Are you struggling? Do you have people around you that have got your back, that would take a bullet for you? I've, the other conversation I've sometimes heard people saying is, oh, I'm, I'm going through a hard time, I just need some time out. Do you get that one? I just need some time out. I need some time out of my life group. I need some time out of church. You don't need time out, you need time in. You need time in. When the storm hits, when you're struggling, you need the time in with the relationships. Spend time with people that will support you, that have got your back, that love you and want the best for you. Let's work out our fellowship muscles. Okay, number two. Again, from our passage, it says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had Need Now, Mark is going to be picking up this one in more detail. In a few weeks, he's going to be preaching on generosity. So I don't want to speak so much about financial stuff, uh, but I do want to draw out uh, just one point for us, just to encourage us in something that will help us to grow in our fellowship with one another. Do you realize that everything that you have has been given to you? Everything that you have is a gift from God. The fact that you even continue to breathe is thanks to his sovereign grace continuing to provide oxygen to our lungs and to keep our hearts beating. <coughs> Deuteronomy 10:14. To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. So it's all his. It's all his. Our money, our health, our possessions, our gifts and our talents, it's all on loan. It's all on loan. And it's not just for you. He's given you those things to be a blessing to those around you. He's given those things to you to share. What are you good at? What are you good at? What skills or gifts has God given you? Maybe you can prophesy. Maybe you're good at music. Maybe you can teach. 
Maybe you're good at IT. Maybe you're good with computers or designing things. Maybe you're good at counseling and listening to people. Maybe you're really good at administration. It's not the sexiest gift, but I've got a gift of administrator. Any, any other administrators in? It's a good gift, yeah? yeah. Come on. Let's hear it for the administrators. Yeah, come on. Maybe you're good at cooking, DIY, creativity, finance. Whatever you've got, use it to be a blessing to those around you. It might be corporately, it might be by serving on a team here in church life, or it might be informally. But make your gifts available to others. By blessing those around us with that which God has given us, we become more aware of our brothers' and sisters' needs. And this causes us to grow in empathy and draws us into deeper friendship. Did you get that? By blessing those around us with that which God has given us, we become more aware of others' needs, which causes us to grow in empathy and draws us into a deeper friendship. And everybody wins. Everybody wins. As an aside, sharing on a, uh, serving on a team here at church is a great way to get to know other people. It's a great way to connect with other people that you might not know. My um, neighbour, where I used to live, uh, was refurbing his house, and I worked from home at the time, and we got chatting over it. And he would often need just another pair of hands, because he was there all day on his own working and refurbing his house. And I said, well, I work from home. You've got my number. My hands are available to you. And occasionally he would just go, oh, can you give me a lift with this? Can you give me a lift with this? Within a year, we were playing snooker regularly. We became close family friends. And when they uh, were struggling to have a baby, and the, the entire IVF process was about to be put on hold because a lump that had been found in her womb, and we offered to pray for them, and they said yes. And the next day she came around with wine and chocolates and everything because the doctor had said that the lump had gone and she couldn't explain it any other way than that we prayed for them. That came because I just said, well, I can give you a lift. Anybody got hands here? Has anybody got two hands? Even one will do. Make them available. To other people. One of my favorite ways of just serving in practical need is when we, uh, we have experienced this, and I know others have, when having a baby and people start cooking meals for you. Isn't that just fantastic? What a blessing. Anybody, can anybody cook a meal? I mean, what a blessing. In fact, in our previous church, when uh, that had become so ingrained in the culture that when somebody had a baby, um, everybody cooked a meal. And then, actually, Jen Clark, who's now moved here, she had a friend who was in her NCT group, and the pregnancy hadn't gone quite so well, and they were really struggling. And she said, you know what? All my friends at church, we'll feed you for a fortnight. She couldn't believe it. And of course, yeah, we can do that. And we, we made all these meals. And once she'd 
worked her way through that storm and that journey and come out the other side. She wanted to come to church. She wanted to know what it was all about. Who are these? What is going on with these people that are willing just to cook a meal for me? It's incredible. She was blown over. And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. Now this brings me on to my, my favorite pit. <laughs> They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They ate together. It's not rocket science, is it? They ate together. Somebody once said that hospitality is the art of making somebody feel at home when really you wish that they were. When we had uh, our kids, we put a stake in the ground very early on that we were going to do family dinners together. And uh, I don't know about you, but family dinners uh, are uh, inconvenient. Um, they're repetitive. I mean, our kids like, like four meals, and we just eat them over and over again. And I like good food. But it's essential. It is essential for family life. We connect together around the dinner table. We come together as a family. Great story at the beginning. Joe was invited round for Sunday lunch on his first Sunday at that church. Are we inviting people into our homes? There is no better way to share life than round the dinner table, young and old. How often do you invite people around for dinner into your homes? I, and I say that in, an encourage, in, a, in a way to encourage you, not to condemn you. How often do you have people around for dinner? There is nothing I like more than preparing a meal and enjoying it with friends. Do you want to be more like Jesus? Eat together. They called him a glutton and a drunk because he spent so much time eating with one another. Uh, we uh, have not had a kitchen for the last two months. Uh, and we have been really blessed by members of this church in our life group who have said, oh, come over for food. Uh, we've been having an extension. Uh, and so we, we've been without a kitchen. And on one hand, it's felt like having my legs cut off from beneath me because I love to host and have people over. But actually, it's been the, the greatest blessing because people have generously, so many people come over. I just want, there's lots of people that I could say thank you to, but we have also been without a washing machine recently and Sarah Russell has been doing our laundry and quite frankly, anybody that has to deal with my pants deserves a medal. <laughs> I mean, that is just, so thank you so much. And we have so enjoyed getting to know you guys even more around the dinner table. It's just been brilliant. Now, you do not have to be Heston Blumenthal. Very good. Come on. Yeah. Can I just... Let me just show you how this can work. Okay? Are you ready? It's really, really easy. Hi, an order for collection, please. Yeah. <laughs> the food's not the point. Yeah. 
You don't have to be Nigella Lawson. Just get together. Get round the table. Takeaways fine. First time, D Danny and Lauren, LOA, came round to us. We just got Chinese. Played board games. Chatted till midnight. It's just great. Invite people into your home and eat together. Richard, do you want to come and uh, join me? And what was the result of all of these things? The Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. They put the time in. They shared everything that they had with one another. And they ate together. Let's demonstrate kingdom relationships to the world that so desperately, desperately needs it. Not only that we would flourish, but that we'd see his glory all the more. Should we stand together? Richard's going to lead us in a song, but I'd like to pray for us. Let's just, uh, let's just close our eyes and see what God might want to do. that you are all about relationships that you have drawn us into this fantastic community that you designed the church family God I thank you that your your yoke is easy and your burden is light and I thank you that we get to have good relationships with each other it is not a hardship to do fellowship with one another and Lord I, I pray Holy Spirit that you would come on us now with a spirit of hospitality of generosity and that you would build in us a kingdom culture of fellowship God I pray that you would drop names into each of our minds right now of who you would like us to connect with I'd like us all just to think for a moment as the Holy Spirit leads you who could you have round for dinner who could you share life with round the dinner table I want you to be really practical when the service ends Either write that down or if that person is here, just, just go and invite them. It's not hard. And I would encourage you very practically not to say to that person, let's do it sometime, but get your phone and your diary out. Stick it in. And Lord, I want to pray for laughter until the early hours of the morning around dinner tables across this room. God, that we would just have excellent, excellent conversation. And that we would be there for one another in our hours of need.